everyone. Welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Byer. And it is the final week of Summerlen. And welcome to the sad goodbye summer podcast. I feel it too. You're listening live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where the studio audience is also a little down. <laughs> School is back in session. Some of them are playing Roblox. <laughs> Friends are more important than supporting their father you know well we can't they can't all be winners and oh there's the studio audience and uh anyway um we're glad you're here we have an outstanding recap episode in store for you nfl mlb wnba updates will be yours shortly along with i recommend where len and i will recommend a piece of pop culture discuss this piece of pop culture and decide and and make our recommendation to you but literally it's up to you to decide whether you will take us up on your our recommendations or not we have a 98 success rate uh, a lot of people who listen to our recommendations accept those recommendations and go on to lead better more productive lives um and finally uh len and i will be going over music in our lives i will be doing rolling stones top 500 albums of all time and i think i guess we should probably discuss this jan wenner case as well but we'll talk about that briefly when we get to Rolling Stone's top 500 albums and then Len's yeah. favorite 500 albums uh, uh, as well. And he's got five for you. I've got five for you. Man, what a recap episode. And I feel pretty good after yet another bout of the COVID. I think mm. I caught it. I'm not sure where I caught it, but well, there's three luckily, there's three possible uh, I'm sorry? I said there's three possible choices, um, but uh, feeling, feeling better. I never did really feel all that sick, to be honest, but better now. Well, luckily, because you're part of Jag Bags, we have the greatest medical care. We really do. This has been your, at least your second time you've seen Dr. Precarious Doadoff, right? Yes, thank you. I think you just call him Pre, though, because you have a hard time saying his name. That's a lot to remember. You call him Dr. Pre? Dr. Pre. I mean, I had the COVID. I had trouble focusing. So thank yeah. God he gave me that shortened name. Yeah. Uh, he said he, he thought it might have been because you were swimming in the Chicago River. Is that look, true? Well, look, I joined the swim club and they it was it was called Kayak and Swim. And uh so you know, and Alex was with me and you know Alex is there you go. Does Alex have COVID? Uh Alex is uh doing his own special light therapy to try and get rid of the COVID. So uh, I heard Alex has something new called triple COVID. Is that also true? Uh yes, it is. <laughs> uh they're uh they're he's now part of a medical experiment where they they've uh, they've shipped him to uh, uh, Walter Reed Hospital in DC, where tests are underway. I'm sure we'll. I'm sure he'll be back uh, in the Jag Bags office in no time. Unfortunately, but, I think that's going to be true. Also, <laughs> but thank you, Doctor Pre. Alex never really goes away, does he? No, he never does. He asked. He he initially asked for the uh, the bleach, and we we said no, Alex. That's been disproven. Uh, so uh, you wanted an ivermectin bleach cocktail? He wanted the yeah, ivermectin. I was trying to think of it. Yes, that was his first request. That was denied. Uh, <laughs> oh, good luck, Alex. I know. You're like Rasputin, so I, I expect to see you next week. He really is like Rasputin. 
pops up, can't kill him. Uh, uh, but Dr. Pre was, uh, had an excellent bedside manner. Uh, I could have done without the air supply uh, music that he uh, brought along uh, to our treatment sessions. But I figure, you know, that's uh, kind of what you have to put up with in order for the excellent benefits that Jag Bags uh, and Dr. Pre provides. So, Dr. Pre has saved many uh, Jag Bags employee. He really has. Including my employees who complain about not getting enough sleep. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're staying over. Why do I never get to go home? <laughs> Why does Dr. Pre keep playing uh, the album Lost in Love while uh, <laughs> while while treating me? <laughs> Dr. Pre, though, is along the same levels as Franklin Sampson, Morg, Regency. Just high level. Only the best here at Jagbags. Only the best. The best. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's got me up on my feet, filled me full of fluids, and uh, I'm a new man. Although I probably shouldn't see anyone. Uh, Good thing we're on. Eddie O'Shaughnessy is also, right? Did yes. Eddie O'Shaughnessy help you? Very much so. Jagbags psychiatrist, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what she calls herself or is it something else? I think it is the Jag Bags uh, therapist. Therapist, yeah. Because she, she filled your well is what you told me. She did. She brought, up, yeah, she brought up some cheesecake, which that's the way to my heart. <laughs> Man, I was like, oh, thank you, Dr. O'Shaughnessy. I'll, yes, come on in. I think I'll have the chocolate covered cheesecake. Yes. She had turtle cheesecake. She had strawberry cheesecake, blueberry cheesecake. Oh, so, uh, so I sampled all the uh, uh, samplers that she brought forward and I feel mentally so much better now. Unfortunately, I now have type 2 diabetes. <laughs> so now I'm back to Dr. Pre. For Dr. Pre. So. Dr. Pre, who's like telling you, don't make love out of nothing at all. <laughs> Please fulfill yourself with other things than cheesecake. Yes. <laughs> which is sound advice. It is. He communicates all through uh, uh, air supply. He said, take these pills and in no time you'll be having sweet dreams. There you go. Um, so whatever uh, works. Yeah, it really. That's why he has an Australian accent. It really did the job because sleep is a real. Uh, you get sleep deprived, and um, so uh, he took care of. He did the holistic treatment, so not just the symptoms, but quality of life as well. Right. And he left me a couple of cassettes for uh, the one that you love. Oh, and nice. So that was his little parting gift, and a uh, one autographed by Mr. Was Russell. it a cassingle? It was a cassingle, and it was autographed wow. by Mr. Russell. Hitchcock himself. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Bree. Uh, well, uh, now that uh, uh, the uh, my illness has been addressed, uh, we're back to the recap episode, and we're going to start off with uh, the NFL, uh, where uh, right now the uh, the Browns are playing uh, on a on a Monday night game, and I haven't checked the score. Uh, but Seven they, three Pittsburgh. Uh, they just took a lead. The Browns update. Oh, Got text the Browns now. Oh, 11 to seven. Scored a touchdown. Apparently, went for the two point conversion. The uh, this is uh, before we get to the Bears, and I have a question for you about the Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a huge game for the Browns. Yeah. Start two and zero oh for the first time in like thirty years, which is sad. But um, I mean, this is a this is a huge game because mm-hmm. the Steelers are beatable. Yep. They're unsettled. Uh, they looked far from good against San Francisco. The Browns looked very good against uh, the Bengals. And uh, if you can walk into Pittsburgh against Mike Tomlin and come out with a win that's a be- to go 2 and 0 in first place in your division or tied anyway um that is 
is uh, that's a sign that you're for real. So it's a big game for Watson. It's a big game for the defense. Um, and the Steelers are treating it as a big game. They don't want to go 0-2. Yeah. And so um, you know, both teams should be uh, at their best. So um, hopefully, uh, by the way, the first play from scrimmage, the very first play, Browns had the ball. It was a touchback. First play from scrimmage, uh, Watson throws a pick six. <laughs> that's like classic Browns. <laughs> um, so we'll follow that uh, the progress of this game, I'm sure, during the course of the podcast. Um, and now let's, any other questions about the Browns? Any other thoughts you might have on them? About the Browns? Yeah, about the Browns. No, uh, probably watch it when yeah. we're done. If, there, yeah. if it's, there's still time left. Probably, maybe we can catch fourth, Number quarter. Inform. fourth quarter. Yep. Uh, Our Ohio Diamond listeners demand I, list, I root for the Browns. The Ohio Diamond listeners do. Well, half of the Ohio Diamond listeners. The northern half. The southern half uh, might have a little. Um, oh, the northern. Okay. Yeah, the northern Ohio Diamond listeners. The southern Ohio Diamond Diamond listeners might be might be more Bengals fans. Um, uh huh. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, but there's Brown Browns fans are everywhere. Um. All right. Let's let's chat the Chicago Bears. Okay. And, uh, the Bears, as probably most of our Diamond listeners know, lost on yesterday to the in Tampa to uh, the Buccaneers, and uh, the final score I believe was twenty seven to seventeen. And I thought that um, Bears were much improved. I saw some good things as opposed to uh from as, as opposed to week one uh but came up short against baker mayfield and the bucks um there are still some troubling although they showed i thought signs of life and i was encouraged by a lot of things there was also some things that um uh kind of uh didn't it, was, it looked like they still need to be fixed so my question for you is at what point do we need to start questioning or holding coach matt eberfus more accountable. I feel like he's kind of, just because he's new, he hasn't really come in for the criticism that Bears coaches normally come in for. Do you think, uh, what what are your thoughts on this, um, on Eberflus and whether he's part of the Right now, he was a defensive coordinator yesterday, Mm -hmm. and I thought despite giving up a lot of yardage, I thought the defense did fairly well, especially considering Eddie Jackson got hurt right away, but maybe that's actually a blessing Mm -hmm. because I thought Eddie Jackson did not play well against the Packers. So maybe his replacement just is better. And Brisker missed the first half. I guess he was dehydrated. It was 90. Back in. It was a billion degrees with like a thousand percent humidity during that game. The only, so first of all, Mike Evans pushed off. So take (laughs) off. (laughs) Johnston wasn't sure. I was. And so was almost everyone else. (laughs) That was a Michael Irvin play. (laughs) That was like 70 yards. So take that 70 yards away because that was ridiculous. Ridiculous that that thing get called. Right. The one, well, the but all, but besides that, and giving up too many big third down plays, including one another. The worst play of the game was the touchdown to Evans on the third and fourteenth. Yeah. Because the game was about to turn around. We had two two things that happened there. One of them was was a good play by us, but just we just didn't get the ball. The tight end fumbled, and for some reason it bounced like ten yards back. I know. And Mayfield got it. Like how did it go back that far? I know. If we would have recovered that. I think we win that game. Yeah. 
And then the next play, you're like, oh, third and 14. Let's get the ball back. Touchdown. Yeah. That was the killer. That was the real killer. Yeah. But they did some good, they did some good things. Did. Um, our offense should be better. Yep. Even, but even the offense had some good plays. Yep. But my problem, my biggest problem isn't with Eberflus, is with the offense coordinator. I don't know uh-huh. how much sway if it's Eberflus just, well, what I read is Eberflus basically just lets him do what he wants. Right. He's new. He's they call him new. like the CEO Eberflus. Like he doesn't, he's, he lets his coordinators do everything, but right. he couldn't do that yesterday because the defensive coordinator, I guess, has some personal stuff going on. So he's not going to be there and he might not be there next week either. Yeah. Which is actually fine though, because that's what Eberflus got his reputation for is as a defensive coordinator. Right. So that's not really concerning. You send in your application for um, temporary defensive coordinator, interim defensive coordinator? No, I I asked if I could take the offensive coordinator's place. So we'll see how it is. We'll see. They'll probably think about it. I felt so when the Bears got the ball on their very first drive, they were looked lights out. Fields, it looked like they were like, okay, we're no longer going to do these dumpy little passes in the flat and mad mm-hmm. cute formations and trying to, you know, get our little running backs going in space. Uh, we're going to throw the ball down the field. And they marched right down the field and scored. And I said, here we go. And then it's like, they were like, that worked so great. Let's not do that again. Well, they had the second drive in the second half. And then Fields, it, Fields yeah. was six for six. I think it was like six for six, 92 yards or something. That, I don't understand when he throws down the ball downfield, he is successful. Is yeah, that I don't watch him. I don't watch him play and think he can't make the throw. Right. Like Trubisky could not make the throw. Trubisky, Trubisky could not throw deep. He had a hard time throwing short passes. He just was a mess. Right. When Fields throws the ball, he makes a lot of the pass to Claypool. That was a great pass. A touchdown pass. That was in a tight window. Yep. He threw it only where Claypool could catch it. Yes. That was a great pass. It was. But here's my big problems with the offense coordinator. One, no passes to Mooney, no targets. That was ridiculous. And was, I, I didn't understand that. Didn't even mention his name. The announcers the whole game. I don't like. It. Is he hurt? He didn't get any. They, they just. I guess they decided. Well, we're going to throw to Claypool. And, and the, guess what? Mooney is better than Claypool, and, and he had this, a good game. The opener in the opener. And this after Claypool like did not block well. Had to apologize to his teammates, and it wasn't. Uh, there was a question as to whether he would play. Then they play him and, and sit Mooney. That made no sense. No, Mooney played. He just didn't get the ball thrown to him. Yeah, he had zero targets, zero catches. Ridiculous. I started him on and my Claypool. They were like complimenting him, but he had one pass that they originally called an interception that wasn't. I mean, he he kind of he kind of fought with the guy, but I feel like still not as much as someone else would have. Right. And then Fields' second interception, Claypool should have caught that pass. He should have. He had it in his hands, and the other guy took it from him. Right. So all these articles about Claypool, I'm like, yeah, but he's just, mm. he made a nice catch, and he, he had one or two blocks. But I'm still not sold on him. I I, I don't get it. Especially yeah. Mooney, Mooney showed a lot of fire and uh, ability, especially last year. Well, Mooney's been our best receiver the past two or three years. Right. He should be our second option after after DJ Moore. Agreed. And we have no running game for some reason. That was supposed to be a strength. Fields only had three yards running. Their best running back, they don't let him run. It's spread out, spread spread things out. Yeah. Guess what? If I'm playing defense, you know what I'm scared of? Fields breaking one. Right. And they don't put any pressure on the defense with that. Right. If you put them in a the pocket, and don't do designed runs either. Designed runs never work. Right. Anytime they do a design run, he doesn't get any yards. What we got to do is put the def- make the defense question what's going on. Is Fields going to scramble for a first down or is he looking to pass? If if they're not sure, either somebody's going to be open or Fields is going to be able to run because they're they're not, you know, I, he's an elite runner. We said the same thing. Trubisky was not an elite runner, but running was part of his strengths. And 
they took that away, and it seemed to just totally wreck him uh, as a football player, I thought. and Yeah, they're making, and it, just for the interviews with Fields, don't make a guy like that robotic. Right. Let, let, him, let him use his, he's thinking too much. Yep. He held the ball a couple times again. Yep. But he didn't, he, he had two really nice drives. He had the opening drive, and then he had the one in the second half. Yep. And why would you handicap your offense, um, you know, a, take a huge weapon away from your offense? I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. Yep. The only, the only passes Fields, I mean, he missed, he missed the, the guy we got from the Packers, the backup tight end. That guy was open a couple times. Yep. And Fields missed them both times. Yep. Those, those should have been completes. Agreed. But most of the other throws were pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't watch him and think he's not accurate. I agree. I know he can make throws. Right. And then of course the final thing, which is for some reason is the Bears curse. Why does every offensive coordinator we get want to throw screen passes all the time? It is. It's shoot and Nagy and now whatever this guy. Croton. Uh, Croton. You remember Croton? Eric Croton. That's what he was. Always through screen passes and they never work. It's like, is this a McCaskey contract thing? Might must, be. You must throw five screen passes a game. You have to sign the contract to be the offensive coordinator uh, and you're, you're down three points. How much time was left? Like two something when we got the ball? Yeah. Why are you throwing a screen pass? They were trying to do that. You got to throw, throw it downfield. At minimum, you got to get to what? The 30 for a good field goal attempt? Right. It's, 35 maybe. We have a good kicker, but yeah, it's and you throw a screen pass and you're like, oh, the, the, I think Eberfuss is like, oh, it was a good play. They just made a good play. I'm like, it was not a good play. He you're did. throwing a screen pass at the five yard line when you have no time left. You have to throw some 20 yard passes. You need you need some big completes. And even if, right, let's say it worked, how much time goes off when you throw a pass and he's running for 20 yards instead of catching it after a 20 yard pass? Right. They're in prevent mode. Taking off a bigger chunk. Of the idiocy of that call. I was so shocked by it. I didn't even like get yell. <laughs> just like almost in disbelief. I shouldn't have been. I should know better. Like that's, That was a killer. So someone should do a study of the Bears' success rate in the past 30 years or 40 years. No, maybe 30 years and screen passes. It's probably like 20%, maybe. Yeah. Just never, it never works. Right. So that was frustrating. But there were good things. And I watched, I watched the Chiefs game today. Yeah. The Chiefs did not look like a, a great team yesterday. I, I feel like Nagy's uh, evil influence is starting to penetrate Chiefs. I think it's more that they don't have receivers. They have Kelsey, and that's it. True. Their their wide receivers aren't are average at best. I mean, they don't even have a guy like McCall Hardman. He's on the Jets now. Like all their guys, I think Watson might be their best receiver, and he's not. Yeah, close to being a star. Right. And Mahomes, I feel like he's taking more chances now because he knows that. Yeah. Because he threw he threw a pick, wasn't even just wasn't even a good pass. I think he was just trying trying to get something. Right. And they only scored 17 points. The Chiefs defense so, played great. Well, Lawrence had four red zone passes that he threw out of the end zone. Right. <laughs> that was I was like, don't you think after the second one, you'd be like, okay, let's try to throw it in the end zone? <laughs> Hard to he know. Threw one pass. He had a guy wide open in the end zone. He threw it way over his head. Yeah, yeah. And then the other three were the same play he he the guy got pushed towards the back of the end zone and he couldn't keep his feet in bounds right right and then you know they scored nine points yeah. so there was either just play calling or the chiefs just figured out hey these guys are going to run in the back of the end zone and we can use the end zone as part of our defense because you got to throw a perfect pass if you're going to complete it in the back of the end zone yeah and lawrence wasn't up for that so like the the pessimist side is okay chris jones might be on fields all the time and like you said the, the chiefs defense is playing pretty well but the 
optimist is they didn't look scary. They're also favored by two touchdowns. The Chiefs. So it might be a better game than you think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, you know, that Mahomes said the defense won that game for us. And that, uh, but if, if Lawrence makes those passes, if they get, uh, one of them, they're tied if they get a two point conversion and they had four shots. They didn't uh, score a touchdown the whole time. Yeah. How, how much they were in the red zone. They're in the red zone four times and they got nine points out of it, at least four times. Bend, but don't break. But I, I would be yelling. I don't know who was responsible for that. If it was Lawrence's fault for throwing them too deep mm-hmm. or if that's just how the play calls were, but I'd be, I would have been tearing my hair out if I was a Jaguars fan. I don't know too many Jags, Jaguar bags fans. I don't know any, I don't know any, but I guess they weren't throwing screen passes. So, <laughs> and the Bengals, oh, the Bengals lost again too. Yeah. Bengals and Green Bay lost. Green Bay lost and they made a mistake, which was nice to Atlanta, who's not supposed to be good. So all that was good. And the Lions lost. Lions lost. The Vikings I- lost on Thursday. So. It'd be it'd be a lot to think the Bears are going to beat the Chiefs, but at least the rest of the division isn't doing that great either. Right. Hopefully, after the Chiefs game, we can maybe get some wins. Yeah, we'll see. Got to be smarter though. Right. And I mean, Mayfield played fairly well, but it was it was kind of like it was kind of like the Packers game in a way. Because the Packers game was the two big plays by Aaron Jones. Yep. And Tampa Bay's game, it was two big plays by Evans that were the difference. Right. Yeah. The defense- one, of them, one of them was cheating. So. <laughs> Illegal cheating offense, yeah. number 13. So next week, I say just triple team Kelsey. So if we lose, at least it's not because their best player beats. Right. Is that yeah. game in Kansas City? I think so. Yeah. Let me double check. Well, uh, they're checking. I must give you an update that Nick Chubb carted off the field with a knee injury. Oh, no. Let's hope it's not serious. Oh, boy. Yeah. Carted, carted off the field. Carted off. That's not good. That's Steelers players immediately signaled to the sidelines the train to attend to Chubb. Um, who's their backup? Well, it's now Ford, uh, who then caught a three-yard touchdown pass from Watson. So uh, probably out for the season if the Steelers plans. If the Steelers players are like uh, uh, waving violently for uh, a stretcher, and it's Fitzpatrick who is evil personified. Fitzpatrick is well known as a dirty big hitter uh, kind of guy. Cut the Chiefs. Yeah. Anyways, what's next? Uh, let's go. Baseball. To, let's go to MLB. Uh, let's. Uh, I have a I have a question for you. Uh, so the Cubs this week they have a series coming up. You're going to be going to Wrigley tomorrow and Wednesday. Yeah, they need me. They do need you. Uh, and these are two very very winnable series. They uh, have to win the both of them. They have to for the Cubs. And honestly, if they lose these series, they don't deserve to win. I won't like it, but it's at least then you go, okay, maybe this team just didn't have it. Here's my Although, question. So Colorado's been horrible this year. They played us well in Colorado. I only went two or three. Yep. You have to beat them at home. Yep. The Pirates aren't good, but they're not as bad as they normally are. Because I looked at their record today. They have 70 wins. Yep. Not terrible. It's but not you like- got You have to. You have to win both of these series because next week you play the Braves and the Brewers. Yep. And you're, it's all jumbled up now because you got five teams. I think the Giants might be done, but the Marlins and the Reds, Arizona and the Cubs, Cubs week. So this is this is it. This, this week it has to happen. They got to win at least four. In your opinion, uh, which player has got to get going this week? If no, oh. one else, if no one else steps up, if there's one they're guy, there none of them. None of them are hitting. They were hitting the. They didn't hit homers, and they kept hitting the ball on the ground. Yeah, I think Arizona series. They had the one game they scored. I think the extra inning game was seven to six. That yeah. was the only game they had any kind of offense. The Friday game they scored four runs, but it was all in the last inning. It was all bottom of the ninth. Right, not bottom of the ninth, top of the ninth. And then yesterday they did nothing, and and the pitchers weren't good. Right, it wasn't and like the past. week, the, the previous series where they 
he had two good pitchers go up against the Cubs. It was like Davies and all these other guys whose ERAs are four or five. Yeah. Well, that was very, very frustrating. But you, you can't pick one guy that was good nope. this past week. None of them. None of them were hitting. Right. I mean, Hap had three hits yesterday. But Hap is above reproach. Uh, <laughs> I, all, anyone else other than Hap, who is perfect. <laughs> wow. Anyways, well, Bellinger was cooled off. Yeah. It's it, everybody. They gotta. They gotta find it. And it's. I really thought if we were gonna fall apart, it would be the pitching. I didn't think we'd stop hitting because the hitting's been pretty consistent. And that's. But it was awful last week. Right. But maybe with a day off and getting back, back to Wrigley, oh. they can get going again. Yeah. Um. And uh, don't worry, I'm taking uh, Chris Bryan out for a wild night on the town, so he'll be good and pooped. <laughs> And uh, yeah, uh, he killed he killed us in Colorado. So. Maybe I'll give him some leftover COVID. Um, <laughs> give him some of Alex's triple I, COVID. I do not uh, I do not approve of giving <laughs> anyone COVID. I regret that joke. Uh, uh, all in good fun. I'm uh, staying home. Although desperate Cubs fans are taking notes to what Beave just said. I was like, good idea, Beave. Mm-hmm. Super spreader as an approach. Just go visit the Rockies dugout while you're at it. Um, all right. Uh, anything else on the Cubs? Nope. Just like I said, this is it. Yeah. You want to stay in it? Four, four wins. Got to do it. Got to do it. This is this is the week. Two out of three and then two out of three. Yep, for sure. Or, why, not, why not win six? All six. That'd be good too. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. That would remove a lot of doubt unless uh, the other teams also win six in a row. So uh, The Marlins and the Reds have been playing pretty well. Yep. Arizona wasn't playing well, but then they played us. But they don't play us anymore, so maybe Arizona will start losing. D-backs might fall back. Yeah. It's really, it's a really tight race. It's fun for, uh, this is fun. Um, it'd be more fun if uh, if the Cubs had been doing the sweeping instead of being swept, but um, there's plenty of time. Plenty of time to get right. And now, sometimes I'm going to be shirtless tomorrow with sweep written on my Love chest. It. Love it. I'll uh, look for that on TV tomorrow. You know, sometimes when you like get a reset because the Cubs were up, 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 up. Now they're pretty much kind of even. And so you can get a reset and be like, okay, we're all kind of like, there's two weeks left. We're all kind of pretty much at the same starting point. It can be like kind of a mental reset. Like we don't have to protect a lead anymore. And there's plenty of games left. And sometimes and a, day off, a day off helps. And a day off helps as well. And everyone will be crazy really this week. And you'll have a, you know, a, a unique uh, home advantage as well. So, I'll be debuting my new rally dance on top of the Cubs dugout too. So. Oh, America wakes with baited breath. <laughs> Uh, I think Gabrielle Union was tweeting, looking forward to shirtless land oh, great. at uh, Wrigley Field. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, thanks for the nice words, Gab- Gabrielle. Uh, let's uh, let's let's move on. Let's talk about the WNBA. The Chicago Skies season came to an end uh, this uh, weekend in Las Vegas. Uh, Asia Wilson. I thought the Sky did a nice job on their the Las Vegas's guards who didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but Wilson went berserk. Like I had a historic game and um, historic playoff game with those numbers. So, you know, it's it's not like, uh, you know, they kind of fooled around or didn't play particularly well. I mean, the sky just. I, I didn't get to watch it. I was going to watch it today and it didn't get recorded, I think, because all the games I wanted to watch around at the same time. Yeah, it's crazy. Bears game, Chiefs game, and the sky ran it too. And I think if you try to record two things at once, they don't they don't do it. Right. Because I was going to watch it. I'm like, oh, it's not on here. Oh, I'm like, oh, that's right. It was on the same time. I was recording the Chiefs game because it started at two, so I didn't get to watch it. But I did look at the box score, nice. and it was it was weird. The Aces guards were terrible, not good at all. And Copper and Dana Evans played pretty well. Just from, just I didn't watch it, but just from looking at the box score, yeah. But they, they got blitzed. They just can't they can't hold that team down. Wilson 90, ninety points. 
I watched the uh, highlights after the I watched the Cubs game. It was on ESPN, mm-hmm. and afterwards I watched Sports Center, and they showed the Sky's highlights. And Wilson, they just could not keep her off the board. She was taking on three Sky uh, defenders for a rebound, getting the rebound, an offensive rebound, and putting it back in, and not just once, but like a bunch of times. She just and Elizabeth Williams is good on defense normally. Yeah, she was just a. And she had ten rebounds, Elizabeth Williams. Yeah, but the thing that's weird about Wilson is when you watch her run. Yeah, you don't look at think she's like a good athlete. No, she doesn't move gracefully, really. Right, but she's so consistent. She right. shoots a high percentage. She rarely has a bad game. Right, and there's just she's just one of those people. Maybe not the best athlete, but just a great basketball player. Yeah, with I mean, I felt like a lot of what I was watching on the highlights was just effort. It was effort. She was, you know, going up against uh, more bodies and getting the ball. And that just comes down to desire. Um, so, uh, yeah, you have to tip your hat. And the, the aces are, uh, um, you know, it's not like the aces are, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a middling team. They're, no, it was what I expected. Yeah. I wasn't surprised. I was hope. I was hoping maybe they'd get lucky. Right. And it's scary, too, if, if the Sky would have won a game, they get to play game three at home. Right. And Connecticut, really good team, lost to Minnesota. So now they have to travel to Minnesota and whoever wins there moves on. So right. Connecticut could be out in the first round because they lost one game at home. You got to protect home court. I kind of like this. Uh, it's an interesting format. What happened to Sky last year is the Liberty won game one. So Sky, they had, they had to go back to New York for game three. Right. And they, but I think they won by 38 points or something. <laughs> In game three. Mm-hmm. But I, I almost want to watch the Connecticut-Minnesota game. Do or die games are always fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. And Minnesota's pretty good. I watched them against the Sky a couple times. But I felt like Connecticut's, Connecticut's close to the level of the Liberty and the Aces. Because mm-hmm. Alyssa Thomas is great. Bonner is really good. I'd, I'd be shocked if they lost. Yeah, I expect uh, Connecticut to come through. Um, but And that would say, so if Connecticut wins, then they will play the Liberty? Yeah, that, that'll be a great series. Yeah, that should be a great so that's another reason you want to see that matchup. Right. The Aces get Dallas or Atlanta. I think Dallas would be a better series. Right. Because I think Dallas beat the Aces once. Right. So I would like to see Dallas win. Seems weird. At least make the Aces sweat a little bit. Seems weird that the Sky are in the West and Minnesota is in the East. Yeah, I don't don't know. I don't get that. But But I guess I was reading about the Sky. So Coppers signed Mm -hmm. Dana Evans and somebody else of their, I think Elizabeth Williams, but Courtney Williams and Alana Smith are free agents. Mm -hmm. So. So what I would want is get a point guard, yeah. get a strong point guard. If, if there's one out there, if Skylar Diggins Smith comes back to play next year, try to get her. That might be, I mean, that would improve them so much. And point whoever's guard. coaching, sit Copper down and say, okay, one of these interviews, talk about passing. That's all I ask. <laughs> so, so the p- players on your team will at least think maybe you'll pass them. And she's, she doesn't come off as a ball hog when you watch her play. Yeah. But like the interview, it's always scoring, 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 nothing else. Right, right. Look for your teammates or talk about looking for your teammates yeah i don't i don't think she really takes bad shots mabry does a little bit but copper really doesn't force things too much but just break it down a little bit set some people up yeah but they they definitely need rebecca gardner coming back would be great we really missed her right i don't know how good isabel harrison was she was out 
the whole year or two. They signed her before the season. I think she's a decent player. I don't think she's a game changer. But Rebecca Gardner would help a lot. And if you get a strong point guard and maybe maybe another shooter, they could move up. Yeah, lot to do. I also applied to coach them. So. I'll be the first one. Copper there. said I refuse to have Glenn as my coach. Well, so. uh, you know, uh, she could benefit from your wisdom, and uh, uh, I'll be there at the press conference. Um, as will uh, Doctor Pre. Oh, nice. Yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be just making sure you know the areas uh, you know everyone's vaccinated and masked up so for uh, for your uh, hiring um, for holding you know, up a sign that says don't be all of Len you'd be so lost without him exactly exactly <laughs> uh, oh I think air supply would actually come out for the press conference to really actually play as you walk in ah um, nice so uh, boy, what a uh, what a treat that will be for Chicago uh-huh. audiences complete treat Len foot and air supply oh, man yeah. a new a new future amazing uh, any other thoughts on the Chicago sky? I'm a little disappointed that they didn't have a higher seed. Yeah. I thought they'd be a little bit better, but maybe the two injured players might have been the difference. Maybe they would have, and Wade not leaving either. If Wade would have stayed and Gardner and Harrison play, maybe they get a six or five. Might have just been as simple as that. It doesn't sound like their coach now is going to be their coach next year. We don't even know. Hire somebody else. We don't even know that coach's name. Never once did we mention the That coach. (laughs) It was Charlie Charlie Callis, our uh, their new head coach. It could All be right. made up characters, I think. But we'll still we'll still be talking about the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep it here. Rooting for Sloot, All even though w- she broke my heart. All WNBA highlights going forward will be discussed in full on Jagbag, and uh, so uh, keep it here for all that. Um, and uh, and we'll see. Uh, uh, let's uh, move on, unless there's anything, any parting Chicago Sky or WNBA thoughts that I've. No, that's I think we covered it. Okay, move on to I recommend. What do you got for us? All right. Since Len is constantly coming with like, you know, seven or eight, I recommend <laughs> every week now. I am uh, shamed <laughs> stepping up my game. So I have two. I have two I recommend. Well, one is definitely an I recommend. The other, I'm, I still am not sure what I think about it. And I'll go with that first. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk for a little bit about the show. Uh, it's a series called Shrinking, starring Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. And you can watch it on Apple TV. And um, Eileen's been watching it. And I, I mean, I've seen it and I'm like, oh, I hear kind of good things, but I don't know because Jason Siegel sometimes annoys me. Mm-hmm. Put it this way. I, I find him hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And, um, but Eileen, what, what have you liked him in? Uh, I liked him in winning time. I thought yeah. he was, I, 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 I was rooting for him. Um, they canceled it. They did. Yeah. They did. Uh, which is interesting. I, I, cause everyone was all, about season two this season so i found that surprising maybe the numbers numbers obviously weren't what they wanted or it's too expensive it's, i mean they have I keep reading about shows that people watch a good amount and they're still getting canceled by the streamers yeah it's crazy the amount of uh talent that the big name uh people on winning time and uh so they must have had a huge budget yeah so and the thing about jason siegel that sometimes i feel like he's trying too hard mm. and i feel like he's like oh look at me I am I am I am kind of telegraphing where I'm going and this is me being confident and this is me being befuddled and I'm likable but I'm kind of a doof and it's 
all seems like it's it is seems like it's an act <laughs> i don't know is that why you always have clips of him in your beads acting class i it's it's seagull uh, doing do's and don'ts it is i call it the anti-seagull i'm like go in there watch what jason seagull's doing and go the opposite way dr pre told me about it because you gave him a free lesson you said for his excellent medicare medical care i offered and he and was- dr pre said i'm not going back i am not that interested in jason seagull i just wanted to be a better performer because <laughs> he's he's gonna be in fiddler on the roof i heard fiddler on the local, roof. local production yeah well i think i use seagull as a means to an end it's not like i'm like let's study jason seagull but i'm like let's use him as a starting that's not what i heard yeah what do you think of jason seagull i like him you like him? I, I honestly i get i get what you're saying in some some ways mm-hmm. there are performances where he he is like that he's almost too obvious yeah but did you ever see end of the tour no is that good he plays david foster wallace so that's good jason siegel great well i like most of his stuff but i do like i said i do see what you're saying in some some of his performances but maybe it's sometimes it's the script maybe when he's not because he's a writer also right maybe when he's not comfortable with the script that's when he does what you're talking about could be just uh, freaks and geeks loves him in freaks and geeks i love you man yeah forgetting sarah marshall yeah. of course now i see it the jealousy yes oh. yes <laughs> I, you know, in, he does good things in shrinking and, um, and there are parts where I'm laugh. I laughed very hard at Jason mm-hmm. and, uh, and I was like, oh, he's good in this. And then he does other things. I'm like, so, um, overall the show is the, the characters are likable. Um, Krista Miller, who was in Drew Carey is very good. Um, is your character likable? Always likable. I think. Krista no, Miller. not on, there's a two, at least two shows she was on where I was like, she's uh, oh, like no, no, Cougar no. Town. Always, always likable in shrinking. Oh, in shrinking. Yeah, okay. I, I, I've always found her likable in shrinking. Okay. And um, two more quick things. Uh, her husband. It took me a long time. I was like, who is that guy playing her husband? And uh, it took me a while, but I did figure it out. Ted McGinley. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Well, shrinking is going to get canceled immediately then. Right. I was like, don't put him in shrinking. It's the kiss of death. Yeah. Um, but he's good. He plays the, the Krista Miller's doofy husband and uh, <laughs> some very good laughs. Wow. Surprise McGinley. And nice to see Ted McGinley. Uh, <laughs> he's always likable as the show was uh, falling off the cliff. Um, I mean, and- it doesn't matter if characters are likable or not. I just said that about Krista Miller because the last, I think the last couple shows she's been on, she's just played like a terrible person. Right, right. Like, why would any of these people hang out with her right like, i don't even want to hear her talk on these shows and i loved her on drew carey mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying like i i was hoping she switched it up so that's good she's good here uh yeah. and i really want to talk about harrison ford real quick because i was gonna say harrison ford wow. i think he's it's i think it's one of the best things he's done in a long time it's so what's the plot exactly so the shrinking is about a uh, th- uh psychiatrist practice and there are three psychiatrists in the practice jason Jason Siegel. Uh, I'm looking up who plays the other uh, therapist. Uh, Jessica Williams uh, plays the uh, other uh, therapist, and then Harrison Ford as Dr. Paul Rhodes. He's he runs the practice, and okay. 
And then you just, it just goes into uh, the various personal lives. Uh, Harrison Ford's character is divorced. Uh, Jason Segel plays a widower. And Jessica Williams as Gabby, her character is also uh, divorced. Uh, Krista Miller and Ted McGinley are the likable neighbors next door who have really stepped in to raise Jason Segel's semi-troubled teen daughter and played by um, Lukita Maxwell. Uh, Michael Yuri plays uh, Brian, Jimmy's uh, hilarious various uh best friend very very funny guy um and then uh uh and then finally uh Luke Tenney plays Sean a troubled uh Afghanistan vet whom Jason Siegel befriends and invites to live with him to Harrison Ford's consternation um and so I think it would be easy for Harrison Ford to play the grumpy old man mm-hmm. and and there's no doubt about it he is a grumpy old man mm-hmm. but he's very he's doing some great acting he's very you know he's not doing his typical Harrison Ford reactions and it seems very natural it's very, um, you know, he has to be sad. He has to be empathetic. He's got great, he's always had great comic timing. And so that comes across and I'm like, I wish he would do more of these than just doing these huge blockbuster sequels because there's just so much more that I feel like Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford still has so much in the gas tank just in terms of of chops and choices Mm -hmm. and what he brings. Do you ever see 42 with uh, Chadwick Boseman? Mm -mm. He plays, Harrison Ford plays Branch Rickey, uh, the Dodger general manager and Ford was great in that I forgot I was watching Harrison Ford that's how I and I was like oh I hope he does more movies like this and uh it's uh this seems like a little safer choice I mean he's being wacky and not wacky but it's sitcom-y shrinking mm-hmm. and I really do recommend shrinking most of all just to see Harrison Ford you know as as you've really never seen him before you know doing these types of real life situations um acting as a sounding board to everyone um you know having trouble with his daughter uh dealing with i'm not i don't want to spoil too many of the plot points but um i i just I'm, that's who i've enjoyed the most and surprisingly so because i was like i don't want to watch harrison ford like kind of one or two note his way through and you don't get that at all so shrinking it's on apple tv um i i i recommend it mainly i recommend it mainly for harrison ford but the other the other cast is pretty strong mm-hmm. um the other real quick uh and this ties into our most pre- most recent podcast on the doors and i was so uh we got off that podcast and we had talked a little bit about the book riders on the storm by mm-hmm. uh john densmore who was the drummer for the doors and i read that book like 25 years ago and i was like and i still have it and i was like oh i wonder if i would still enjoy it and i am reading it now and it's i am thoroughly enjoying it um and what i like best is some of the kind of like more um i don't know if they're like unintentionally funny but i i don't know i'm laughing mm-hmm. uh, at some of the parts there's one where it's like oh jim morrison did acid again and uh and, and the and the drummer goes in all caps God damn it. <laughs> it's like why why are is our performance off this is a really important gig mick jagger from the rolling stones is here we're at the hollywood bowl why is it off well jim took acid right before he went on we're, 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 we've been here for eight hours we can't get this vocal part 
part right. Why? Well, Jim took acid about three hours. <laughs> it's like a it's like a sitcom bit. Uh, I'm a child, but I was laughing. Yeah. Um, also, uh, uh, what? Two more things. One, uh, what also made me laugh was after the Doors, uh, after Light My Fire went to number one, the record company went to the band and said, "Number one hit. We want to buy you anything you want. Like literally, what do you want? We'll buy it for you to say thank you for Light My Fire, big one of the biggest hits of the year." And so, two of the guys in the band, uh, Kyle McLaughlin and Frank Whaley, for those of you who don't uh, remember the movie, they both were like, uh, "Could we have tape recorders?" And uh, so they go, "Tape recorders, sure." So they've got them like the most expensive top of the line tape recorders. The drummer, Densmore, he's like, Kevin Dillon, he's like, I'd like a horse. And so a horse, sure. And uh, Jim Morrison is like, you guys all are a bunch of dorks. A horse? I'll ha- I'm Jim Morrison. I'll have a Mustang Cobra. <laughs> Because that's because I'm a rock star, and so are you, you dweeb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, which <laughs> he had for less than a year before he lost it. <laughs> Law Jim Morrison, the bozo Dionysus, lost his uh, uh, Mustang Cobra, probably a good thing before he killed somebody. Is that why one of their albums was going to be called Horses on Tape Recordings? Right. Yeah. <laughs> And so the book goes back uh, 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 chronologically. So it's like 11 years later, and Densmore's like, I'm with my horse, who is still <laughs> Jim Morrison is dead. Best investment ever, horse. Horse. Metchin, Metchin, you'll never leave me. I was roaring. Uh, but one last thing, and you should listen to our Doors podcast because it was um, it was good. It comes out tomorrow. Well, it'll after you've heard this, it'll be out already. Right. Um, I just one last thought as I was listening to it. I feel like the Doors, and we sort of touched on a little bit, but I want to go into just a pad. They were a band that were really for like they were a teeny bopper. They really were. It, it's my point that they were a teeny bopper band. They went for the girls because of Jim Morrison as the sex symbol, but they also appealed to like teenage boys who were looking to rebel a little bit and maybe smoke a little dope. And then they would, so that you feel like, wow, doors are so cool, man. They're so geek. They're so, um, all right. So love her madly for the teeny boppers. And then let's do a 10 minute song about the Oedipus complex. Yeah. For the boys, for the boys. Right. And then, uh, but by the time you get to like 30 or 35, you're like, eh, <laughs> not so much. So that's my new hypothesis uh, on the, on the doors, but they were aimed towards the teen set. Uh, Riders on the Storm by John Denmore. Those are my, those are my two I reckon. I only have one this week. Oh, I win for once. Yeah, only had one. All right. So mine, I as a special perk as a Diamond listener, I told them about what my I recommend was right before we recorded this, and I told them it's Smartless on the Road. Oh yeah. This is before I talk about it. Diamond listeners, here was their response: It's a poor man's jag bags. <laughs> <laughs> a pale imitation. Agreed. And I'll give you one more. Yep. Like I haven't heard Lennon Beeve do that before. <laughs> Despite those complaints. I, I, I've heard derivative. I've heard too many fart jokes. Who wants to hear all that? You know, at least Jagbags never does fart jokes. Uh, yet. <laughs> so the premise is Smartless is a podcast. Our competitor. Yeah. It's Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. Who are they? <laughs> Much like Jag Bags, they started doing theirs during the pandemic also. Right. For those of you who don't know, this was B's idea during a pandemic. He's like, why don't we start doing a podcast? And Smartless heard about this and said, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, thieves. So... <laughs> 
because nobody thought to do a podcast during the pandemic. Only no, podcast. What, what's a podcast? Right. But the show, it's called Smartless on the Road. It's on Max yep. or HBO, if you want to call it HBO. Yep. I think it's five episodes. They're, the ones they showed, I think, were in New York, Chicago, Boston, Madison, Wisconsin, and Boston. LA. Yep. In DC. Oh, in DC. Yeah. Maybe maybe there's six episodes. Yeah. Or maybe one of them is, no, maybe, maybe there's six. Anyways, every episode's funny. There's a lot of great guests. They don't show like the entire show. They just show parts of it. It's like a travel diary. Yeah. And they all stay together in the same room. Which is funny. It's so funny. Will Arnett is the funniest. He is. Will Arnett just makes fun of Jason Bateman the whole trip. It's awesome. Says that Jason Bateman has a wig. <laughs> and Jason Bateman, I didn't realize how he was. He's very almost anal about things. He is. And he's very eccentric, too. He's yeah. just got odd kind of. Mm-hmm. And I never knew that about him. Me neither. Which Will Arnett makes fun of. And I laughed so hard. <laughs> <laughs> to me, Will Arnett is the star of this. <laughs> but then they also have, and yeah, they have some of my favorites. They have Conan, they have Letterman, Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon. It's really, really funny. And I did text them some pointers after watching it. Good. Which so they, that was left on the cutting floor because, you know, jag bags, jealousy. It's, it's, yeah. it's sad. It's sad, the pettiness. We're all friends here, guys. And we are filming our scenes from jag bags nights. On the road. It'll probably be on Hulu soon. Because we No, we had Northwestern basketball. Yep. We had Cubs game. Yep. Remember? And our Diamond listener, Rowdy, got us tickets. Yep. And we had Lionel Richie and Earthwind and Fire recently. Yes. But we need a couple more. We're going to have a couple more, and then we will release it for everyone. Right. Um, we'll definitely have some more uh, coming soon before the great Cleveland migration. But I'll probably be back as well. So we and hopefully a Jag Bags live at some point. It could be a, and hopefully maybe a Jag Bags trip to Cleveland. What? Yeah. That'd be good. Never know. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, Smartless. I enjoyed it, too. I definitely enjoyed it. I, yeah, and I realize it's I should just binge. Like, when I yeah. like something, just keep watching. Yeah. Something like that is easy to binge, because it's just it's just funny. Mm-hmm. It's hard to binge, like, a serious thing, because you don't want to watch a bunch of those in a row. It's got to be really good for me to want to binge a serious show. Well, serious ones, you almost need a break, even if it is really good. Mm-hmm. But Smartless, you're just like, all right, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I did. I'm like, I, I love this. Because who doesn't like to yuck it up? Mm-hmm. All right. Good. All right. Let's get to Rolling Stones top 500 uh, greatest albums of all time. This is the post Jan Wenner uh, uh, list. For those of you who did not hear, Jan Wenner was removed uh, from his post on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for uh, horrific, uh, uh, sexist, and racist comments he made in an interview to promote his new book. Uh, I read the comments, and obviously they're not smart at all. I just think, yeah, I mean, wasn't they, they, really paying attention to what he was saying. Oh my god! Where I'm reading this, I'm like, even if you think this, why are you saying it? Yeah, just a way. It, it almost comes off as a ramble, right? Where a stream of consciousness thing, where you just want to go, why, why were you doing this? And why didn't you stop for a second before you said these idiotic things? And if I am, and to go even further, like, have you not been been paying attention to what's been going on for the last? Oh, I don't know, seven, eight years, maybe more about uh, the need for more uh, uh, diversity uh, in the music scene. And then you think it's a good idea to publish a book featuring interviews with only white male rock 
stars? How idiotic are you? And shame on the book publishers for being like, uh, hey, Jan, you know, it's 2023. Uh, and uh, they, I mean, they, they he couldn't have been surprised by that question unless he really wanted it and just wanted to. That's what I'm saying, though. When I read it, it sounded like he was just kind of rambling. I mean, he is 77. Instead, yeah. Instead of taking the time to think about it, where he doesn't make it worse. Oh, I, mean, I mean, listen, I, I work in uh, this type of, uh, you know, setting up interviews. And one of the things they do is they're like, if you're his publicist, you, you didn't just say, hey, you might get a question about this. So here's what we're going to say. Let's let's workshop how to uh, respond to your unfortunate choice <laughs> to yeah. not have any uh, artists of color in your book. I mean, for God knows whatever reason. Yeah. It looks like none of that happened, which is unbelievable. Anyway, so adios, Jan. Thanks for Rolling Stone. And uh, thank God this list got updated <laughs> so that it's... Uh, you will not be on Jagdag's live. Uh, we will not have it. Uh, let's get into the list. The first is number 64. The album is called Stanconia by Outcast. I love this album. It's so good. Um, it's 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 so inventive and just sort of um, all over the place. And with uh, one of those like kind of hip hop albums where they just threw everything in the in the kitchen sink just to see what sticks. And so, you know, sometimes most of the time it works. In fact, 95% of the time. It works. And uh, I love um, uh, Big Boy in particular. Um, the, the, the lyrics are really funny and interesting and um, yeah, just so fresh and it doesn't seem to age. In other words, it could have been put out yesterday and uh, would still fit in very well with the music that's that's going on. In fact, would stand out to be totally honest. So it's a great album. Absolutely. Where this stands, I think, feels right as well. Um, you think it should be this, this high? I do. I love it. I really do. Because I think that j- just the um, just the freshness of all of it, the production, the beats, the lyrics, all of it is stuff that I really, I, I don't know. I felt like it was just very new and, and nothing that I'd really heard before. Um, loved it when it came out and gave it gave it a spin this week. And I was like, no, this more than hold up. Um, Miss Jackson was the first song I heard by them. Right. And, and, and I remember uh, going, this is a great song. Love it. Love that song. Um, all of it. All I think all of it's very, very good. And uh, and uh, especially the beats because they're just there. I felt like they were unlike you know that whole like because you couldn't really call it West Coast rap or East Coast rap. I think a lot of people called it like the Atlanta, the harbinger of the Atlanta hip hop scene, um, which really exploded. And I I think you can point to this album as a major reason why. So it's very influential. Too. Um, I think it's top one. Uh, now the next album, album number sixty three, Asia by Steely Dan. I love this album. I love it. It's when I heard it, I only knew Steely Dan for their greatest hits when I was in college. And it wasn't until I got out that our good friend Kirk Pinchon said, you need to learn about Steely Dan. Here's Asia. I was like, this album is a masterpiece. It's so good. Um, But when I saw it this high, I was like, is 63 too high? Is this a top 100 album? Maybe it is. Um, Maybe 63 is perfect. My first reaction was, oh, it's great, but not that great. It's not one top 100 of all time. But now I'm now that I'm saying this, I'm going to doubt myself. Mm-hmm. What, would, you, would you what do you think of Asia? I want to put it this high. I like it. Yeah, I like Steely Dan a good amount, yeah. but I, a little high for me. This is the one we had this album growing up, but I think it's because it got sent to us. It was like a right. Columbia Records one. Right. And I think as a kid, you're listening to it and you're like, what is this? 
Yeah. And you listen to it when you're older and then you you like it better. Do you feel Billy so- Dan does not appeal to preteen Len? I uh, I yeah, I I don't. I remember thinking like they were they were okay, liked them, liked them fine. Um when I I liked Time Out of Mind when I was a little kid. That was like their last then they broke up right after. I think Time Out of Mind was like their last big hit of the like early 80s. And uh but never really got into them until college. And I, I there are some songs I really like. Do you feel that they're influential? Yeah, I do. We call them influential. Yeah, I think so. Just in terms of how they just like production value or music or like the like the way that they were produced is they're very people reference them. I feel like perfect, you, yeah. you hear people talk about them still. Yeah. They've had I mean part of it was because which one of them died recently, right? Yeah, uh Walter uh, Becker. Yeah, because there is a book out about them a few years ago and then a new one came out this year. Okay. So there's still a lot of a lot of interest in them. This is true. This is true. I've got no problem, I guess, with them. I I, I don't think I there's, there's cool. songs are still around. No I, doubt. You know, yeah. No doubt. All right. Album number 62, Appetite for Destruction uh, by Guns and Roses. Um, I mean, this album is awesome. And and I think that they've never surpassed it. It's one of the all-time great debut albums. Um, you know, other albums they put out following were like, they were, they were good on their own, but were they as good as Appetite for Destruction? No way. No way. This album was dangerous, loose. Um, it was catchy. Um, and they were just some monster jams. And you thought this th- th- these guys are next. They're the like the they're like they're heavy metal. They're the 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 marriage of heavy metal, classic rock, ha- glam or glam little glam rock, little um hair metal, all woven in. These guys are gonna carry the mantle, and it just probably was too much for them. Too much pressure, too much excess. They just imploded, I think, under the weight of it all. I mean, who could? But I like I like both use your illusions. I do, I do too. I do too. So it wasn't like they didn't have anything else after this. And I think Chinese democracy is, is better than people give it credit. I feel Chinese democracy and to a to a lesser extent that use your illusion albums, I feel like they were too long and overproduced. And there was nobody to tell them, let's strip this down. You don't need all this production value. Mm-hmm. I feel like half of the appeal of Guns N' Roses was their live feel that they just walked up, you know, half in the bag and started jamming and didn't yeah. need studio trickery to really kick your ass. And uh, I think that I feel like number 62 is actually pretty perfect for Appetite for Destruction. I wouldn't put it any higher um, than where it is right now. Um, the only the only thing I'd say about this one is I don't play it that much because I've heard Welcome to the Jungle 8 billion times. That's the thing, yeah. Sweet Child of Mine. I still like Sweet Child of Mine a lot, but Welcome to the Jungle, if I hear it on the radio, I'm like, eh, do I want to listen to this? <laughs> I've heard it so much. That and, is and the Par- Paradise City, too. Paradise City was nonstop. Paradise City is where... Where and I, I like all three of the songs. I'm not saying, but it's not one I play as much as I would if I hadn't heard it a gajillion times. I when I listen to when I listen to it, I have to say that I skipped over Paradise City and Sweet Child of Mine yeah. just because I'd heard it the, both those songs nine billion times. But Welcome to the Jungle, I did listen to, and then It's So Easy Jam. Yeah, it is. I, was, I was looking at the non-hit It's So Easy and Night Train. I think are the two that stand out for me, Mister. Brownstone. Yeah, that's good too. You're crazy. Uh, and Rocket Queen. And all of them, I'm like, jams. We'll talk about it again when I have it on my list. Uh, two more, and then we'll get to Len's favorite 500. Number 61, Paid in Full by Eric B. and Rakim. Uh, no, this, uh, this album's awesome. It is awesome. And it's one of the first records that really, uh, you know, sampled, uh, especially like older uh, 70s um, songs. 
songs and put them in and showed that you could put them into hip hop songs. And at first I didn't like that. It's like, oh, they're just ripping them off. There's no creativity. No, right. I had to get older and realize they were bringing it to a new audience and doing new things with it, um, new ways to imagine music. And um, and uh, it just, it, the the loss was, I dismissed it when I first heard it because I was like, this is, um, now I'm like, no, I just needed to uh, grow up a little. So, uh, but this album's terrific. And um, and I, I like it more with time. Um, I don't find it, it was put out in 87. And uh, so I don't feel that uh, it's aged really one bit. Um, what about you? Do you uh, like? I didn't know about it. Yeah. I mean, I listened to it. If Ron Ron could pull up what I said, I don't remember. I remember I probably uh, liked it, but I still don't feel like I know it at all. It's it, it's one of these albums that's not immediately accessible. You have to really give it a chance, but it rewards repeated listening. So I think it absolutely belongs. Uh, yeah, I remember them being up for the Rock Hall and I didn't know who they were. Who are, they, <laughs> who are these guys? They were everywhere, at least in my circle of friends senior year of uh, high school. Yeah. Anyway, the last album, uh, now this album is has always been a critical darling. Mm -hmm. uh, and some people have said, eh, it's not that good. Others have like, no, it's his masterpiece. The album is Astral Weeks yeah. by Van Morrison. Mm -hmm. um, this album is very, the album, the, the word I would use to describe it is lilting. It's very Irish, very uh, folk. It's kind of in the, um, kind of that whole English, the um, you know, the, the Fairport Convention and some of the acoustic, uh, you know, Roy Harper and some like uh, other uh, kind of very English folk type of songs. You know, this was right in that vein. And I feel like, you know, the way that everyone talks about it, I, when I listened to it, I was like, this is going to be the greatest album of all time. And I think Van Morrison has better album than Astral Weeks. You're wrong. And, um, but I will say that Sweet Thing is one of his very best. It might even be his best. That was my wedding song. Sweet Thing. That's, yep. it's, uh, that could be his best song. Um, so I remember we had to escort you out because you wanted to sing it. You're like, no. Whoa, That's why. <laughs> it's not like Michael I'm McDowell's version. <laughs> Then I went outside. I'm not gonna show the merry way and jump the hedges first through the uh, <laughs> through the door. And the cops had to come. Ugly day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like Moon. I prefer Moon Dance to Astro Week. Moon Dance is also great, but I like Astro Weeks better. They're okay. both great, though. and we'll talk about both of them in the future. In which is all where we all eventually will be. I'm done. Let's go to Len's favorite. Wait, album. what do you think his best? You think Moon Dance is the best album? I do like Moon Dance the best. I also like. Uh, his band and the street choir. Um, I like St. Dominic's preview a lot. I like his stuff with them. I love his, uh, <coughs> his albums that he did uh, with, uh, you know, when he was first starting out. Um, there's, uh, I'm going to, uh, let's see, what other albums do I, those are the ones that immediately pop to mind, but there was another, oh, Irish heartbeat. I always like uh, Irish heartbeat. That was in the eighties. I think um, I always thought that was a good, uh, right. And Van Morrison is still like, like prolific, um, despite his latest, uh, uh, you know, political uh, uh, leanings. Um, Poetic Champions Compose. That's You're another a big one. fan of his Why Are You Always on Facebook song. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Those are the ones that I like best. Those ones that I just uh, that I just mentioned. Oh, I'm getting the uh, scornful look from Len Foot. <laughs> 
oh man, I've touched a nerve with my dismissive yeah. uh, Van Morrison uh, uh, critiques. Let's go on to, uh, oh, I see the first album. Let's there do you it. go. All right. We're up to number 260. First one is Full Moon Fever, Tom Petty, 1989. Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You could stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. <laughs> I picked that as my <laughs> lyric because my friend Rich Cato thought that was my theme song back then. <laughs> Apparently thought I was stubborn. Has <laughs> that on there, running down a dream, love is a long road, feel a whole lot better. This was his first solo album without the Heartbreakers. Yeah. And I forgot which Heartbreaker it was, but one of them didn't like performing songs from this album in concert because it said it made him feel like he was in a cover band. Even though I think all the Heartbreakers played at least on a couple songs on this. Yeah. But I get yeah, it is a solo album. And all the Wilburys contributed to it. Giant, giant hit, number three in the charts. Um, five times platinum. The funniest thing I read, well, good reviews, 22nd for the year 1990. Free Fallen was number seven on the charts and Running Down a Dream and I Won't Back Down were top 40 hits. Running Down a Dream, I felt, I if you're, I mean, Free Fallen, obviously, that's what, probably the second most played Tom Petty song. But yeah. Running Down a Dream, I felt like I played all the time. All the time. But I guess it wasn't like a huge mainstream billboard hit. It was only like 23. Hmm. I would have thought that would would have been higher. But the quote about this I love is the MCA guy who wanted, who was in charge of the record company then didn't want to release it because it didn't have any hits. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember. He, I guess the guy ended up resigning and then someone else took over and they released it. Can you imagine this album not getting released? How could you not? I remember when I first heard it and we have a Tom Petty podcast with our friend Sherry Adams. So definitely seek that out and listen to it. And I can't remember if I made that point then, but I'll make it now that when I first heard Full Moon Fever, I, I think I only heard it like once or twice before I said, this is, this is well, this is his best out. Um, <laughs> like I came to that conclusion pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was it has the, it's, it was the most radio because it's the strongest, I felt like from beginning to end. It wasn't just the singles and I felt like every track was really, really strong. Running Down yeah, The Tom Ooh, Petty Podcast it, is episode 107. Yeah, Running Down a Dream is my favorite song on the, on the album. Yeah, it's a great song. Probably my favorite too. We can agree on something. Like <laughs> down by time. I think we'll agree on this one too. Right. Number 259. Oh, please. Holy Diver by one Ronald Jameson Dio. <laughs> First of all, Holy Diver will obviously be the number one album on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all. Yeah, time. of course. <laughs> Came out in 1983. James. No sign of the morning coming. You've been left on your own like a rainbow in the dark Come a on. rainbow in the dark Come on. that's my favorite song on the album mine, so I picked mine that. Too. but a, the beginner stand up and shout is great too like right away <laughs> And Holy Diver right after that. It's Come just on. a great album. Holy Diver makes you want to play bro. And then, uh, you know, Don't Talk to Strangers. Classic. That album is not... Was his, also, like Tom Petty, this is his debut solo album. When Sabbath, when he was done with Sabbath, this is what he came out with. Right. And went platinum. What was interesting, so when you look up reviews, usually most of the albums I've had, it's like the mainstream ones. But yeah. for a Dio album, it's all like Metal Club, you know, Raves. <laughs> <from>. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 
it's weird. I think that's why some people are drawn to heavy metal is even if it's as popular as this was, it still feels off the mainstream. Right. Because even though millions of people might buy it, it's still not, maybe it's not reviewed in Rolling Stone or whatever else was going on back then. Uh, so you're like, oh, this is my, this is my idea. So it feels more personal that I'm rocking out. And, <laughs> and it was hit 56 on the charts. Pretty good. Well, it's platinum. So, you know, it's a lot. But another thing I read about Dio today was when he was growing up, he liked reading science fiction, mythology. And when he started to writing songs, he's like, okay, I'm just going to write about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he said that was the best decision of his life because people really responded to it. Yeah. And his voice. I mean, come on. Yeah. He's just got such a great voice. Yeah. By the way, uh, Bobby C doesn't even see fit to review. Dio. No, I know. <laughs> that's, that's why I brought it up because every <laughs> review is, what? What is this? <laughs> You know, Lemmy's <laughs> <laughs> Lemmy's thoughts, five stars. <laughs> the ones that matter. Right. Number 258 is The Offspring's Greatest Hits. Mm -hmm. This collection came out in 2005. Late at night, she knocks on my door, drunk again, looking to score. Now, <laughs> I know I should say no, but it's kind of hard when she's ready to go. I may be dumb, but I'm not a dweeb. I'm just a sucker with no self-esteem. <laughs> That's my favorite song there. That's self-esteem. Also has Gotta Get Away, Gone Away, Kids Are All Right. On this collection, after the final song, they also have a cover of Next to You by The Police. It's pretty good. Okay. I, I have a feeling you don't like these guys, though. And <laughs> Well, you know what? It, I don't. I think it's a matter of I didn't know anyone who liked The Offspring. <laughs> and... Excuse me. And so in the 90s, I really wasn't, you know, I I, I kind of like disappeared from the music scene because I was so busy with Factory. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't probably wouldn't have caught them as much as if I hadn't listening to the radio as much, say, the 80s. Um, so I, I I admit that I really don't know anything. I'm sure that I like if you said that song, that's the offspring. I'd be like, oh, that song. Yes. You probably know Come Out and Play, right? You got to keep them separated. Yeah, that one. And do you know Pretty Fly for a White Guy? Uh, yeah. Yes. Also kind of, I mean, it's like, I don't hate it, but I don't. Are we fighting again? No, uh, I don't. I, I had a feeling. by I, your Van Morrison looks of murderous. <laughs> I love Astro Weeks. I love yeah. it. every song. I, I I wish I could love it the way you want everyone to love. It. I love, love Astro Weeks, <laughs> but Offspring were a Q101 band, mm -hmm. like alternative. And I realized that even more because the only song in there is I think that actually really hit the charts. Wait, let me look it up again. I thought I wrote it down. I don't think I did. Is um, should have Ron Ron bookmarked this for me. Right. I'm looking. Come out and play. Come out and play was the one that actually charted like mainstream charts. Okay. But I remember hearing a lot of these. Self-esteem, I heard all the time on the radio. Pretty fly for a white guy. Why don't you get a job? Gotta get away. Or no, maybe gone away. Gone away was the one that got played. Hmm. And Kevin O'Reilly, our good friend Kevin O'Reilly, this is what he used to always do. We were driving around in his car and he would just play one song. <laughs> He'd buy the CD, but he'd only play the song he knew. <laughs> and one of them was come out and play. <laughs> <laughs> he would like never listen to the whole album. I'd be like, don't you want to listen to the rest of it? No. <laughs> so I heard come out and play a lot. But what I like about these guys, well, my favorites, did I say? Um, Self-esteem is my favorite. Gotta get away, gone away, and the kids are all right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the songwriting, I guess the songwriting is listed as the offspring. Their lead singer is Dexter Holland, who's like this really smart guy. I think he majored in like 
he's like a some sort of physicist or something crazy. Oh, funny. Super smart guy. But the songwriting, I, I feel like a lot of it is about people struggling, mm-hmm. especially back then, which is more like people our age, because these guys are probably our age. Yeah. And like a song like The Kids Are All Right, which is about people in his neighborhood that just didn't meet, their expect, didn't meet their expectations. And right. so some of the song, right? Like a, some, a song like Pretty Fly for a White Guy, that's just like a parody song. But when he's actually singing about something serious, I think I think it's uh, the songwriting is really good. Their first album was in 1989. Yeah. What was that called? Uh, self-titled, The Offspring. Yeah, I don't think that. We'll, we'll read off their discography real quick. Uh, the Offspring is in 89. And then in 92, they put out Ignition. And then in 94 was their big, I think that was their big album, Smash. <laughs> yeah, I think. And what's after Smash? Uh, Ixne on the Ombre. Yeah, Smash must have been the big one. I think Smash had might have had come out and play in Self-Esteem on it. That's what got him going. Uh, yes, both those songs were. Yeah, that was the one Kevin played just on play. play. <laughs> uh, yeah, then Americana in 1998, which got very good reviews, and they've put out about one, four or five albums after that. Yeah. The most yeah. recent one was in 2021 called "Let the Bad Times Roll," mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know any of those. I don't know any of those songs. So yeah. how it did? Yeah, I have to check out their greatest hits for sure. All right, next one. Fifty-seven. Uh, What's the story? Morning Glory. Uh, I need to know what Bobby C said about these guys. Very interesting. I have him. This was fascinating, kind of. Okay. Came out in 1995 because maybe you're going to be the one to think. <laughs> and after all, you're my Wonderwall. Wonderwall was gigantic. Right. Hello, I think the first song, Hello, was great. This, honestly, out of all the ones I list, re-listened to, this was the one I enjoyed listening to the most. I think it's Full Moon, Full Moon Fever, you know, everything. I'd listened to a lot of Dio recently because we did the Sabbath podcast. And Offspring, Offspring I liked, but I hadn't listened this in a long time like this is great um yeah i love the title cut don't look back in anger mm-hmm. she's electric cast no shadow just all the way through even champagne supernova which bothers me a little bit because he sings it as supernova yeah now he's wince when he hears supernova instead of supernova right but even that song i was like yeah you know what this is this is a pretty good song too yep. and this was their second album hit number four in the charts huge four times platinum wonder walls the number eight hit and here's the thing about the reviews so initially the reviews were lukewarm yeah but then people started changing their minds right greg cott said it was modestly tuneful <laughs> briscoe said it was phony beatlemania <laughs> but then changed it to a two-star honorable mention yeah and my theory on that is i remember i really remember when this came out yeah me too the people were comp- they loved the beatles right but i think a lot of people were thinking they were stealing almost from Right, Which is like a constant thing. Like, remember, did we talk about Greta Van Fleet on the podcast? We did. Like, are they stealing from Zeppelin or are they influenced by Zeppelin? We did. That yeah. is just a debate that's been going on forever. To me, I mean, you can kind of see the Beatles' influence, but I don't. I didn't listen to any of this ever and think, oh, they're stealing. That's not how it was for me. But for critics, I think because Oasis wore their influences on their sleeve and talked about it, them in interviews so much, they kind of hurt them critically. They overtly refer to the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. But I think once they got past it and third and listened to it again, they're like, oh, wait a minute. And now it's got a lot of respect. And it was it was the 13th best sale selling album in 96. It was a, it was a, it was a monster. It, it's great. I mean, um, it's a rock album. Yeah, it jams in place. And it's, it's almost I almost feel like there's a connecting thread almost. I feel like there's not a break in the action at all. Right. That's what it feels like to me when I listen to it. So very happy to listen to this again. I feel uh, we ha- I can remember these debates raging. 
talking within the factory mm -hmm. uh, about this album, what, what you just talked about, mm -hmm. and uh, and kind of with the same conclusions that there's nothing wrong with a bunch of young kids that love the Beatles and want to be like them. Mm -hmm. Not not one not one damn thing wrong. And um, and I think that because this album was so good, and because um, the songs were so catchy, and because they're like, hey, we're really trying to channel our love of the Beatles. I think that a lot of kids their age were like, well, I really don't know too much about the Beatles. Let's, I really don't know too much about them. Let's go check them out. And oh my God, they're amazing. And in many ways, you could credit Oasis with sparking that little bit of resurgence of interest in the Beatles and kind of like bringing a whole new younger audience to that band. It certainly, I, I feel like they certainly helped. Sure, for sure. And one last thing, I guess, one of their songs that was originally going to be on the album, they ended up taking off because people kept saying it sounds too much like uptight, everything's all right. Interesting. So that one did not make the cut. That's it. I would have never guessed Oasis trying to also channel their inner Stevie one. Yeah. I, I honestly, I think sometimes that's just an accident. Right. Sometimes you're, you're like, oh, this is a catchy song. And then you're like, oh, that's why it's catchy because it sounds like uptight, everything's all right. Right. But anyways, great album. This last album we've talked about at least three times in a podcast. It was on Rolling Stone's Top 500. And we also talked about it because me and you both watched a documentary about him. And it is Nielsen Schmilson. Yes. Love this album. Came out in 1971. Love Have you album. ever watched a moonbeam as it slid across your window pane? Or struggled with a bit of rain? Or danced about the weather vane? That's a moonbeam song. Also has Jump Into the Fire. Damn. Without you. Gotta get up early in the morning. Love this was it. his seventh album. And this made his career. Yep. Because Without You was a monster. Monster hit. Number one hit for four weeks. Jump Into the Fire and Coconut were top 40 hits. I remember hearing Coconut a lot when I was a kid. Right. I feel like I, I even before I knew who he was, I heard that. Yep. And Without You. And I'm sure I didn't connect that it was the same guy. Right. Because Coconut's almost like a novelty song. Very much. Without I feel like You is like this. Without You is like a soft rock kind of. Yeah. Like a tortured love song. Right. Badfinger. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and he got a Grammy for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance for or Without You. He's got one of the great voices, I feel. And he had a nice, he had two musicians that stand out in this. He had Jim Gordon, who played on a lot of the great 70s stuff, and uh, Klaus Borman of Beatles fame. It was number three in the charts, got Grammy nominated for Album of the Year. And I feel like when you listen to it, it's, there's just a lot of different types of songs. It's not like, it's like if you bought it, and I can imagine if you were growing up and you loved Without You and you bought this, you'd probably kind of be like, right. there's not another song that's even close to sounding like Without You on right. here. <laughs> But that's Harry Nielsen for you. I felt like he was always trying to cross up the listener and challenge them and yeah. do things that maybe weren't expected. And mm -hmm. uh, the result was always terrific. I love this album. And he's getting a boost too because Gotta Get Up was featured in Russian Down. Like every week you heard Gotta Get Up. I, every episode. I so love it. I always feel like... And another Beatles connection because he was great friends with the Beatles, especially John Lennon. And Ringo. Ringo. I think Ringo was the best man at his wedding. Oh, really? Gotta I just know he was hanging out with John Lennon during the lost period of John Lennon's life. <laughs> 
got to watch this uh, Who is Harry Nielsen and why is everyone talking about him or something like that. You've got to watch. It's really, I don't think you need to be a fan dude just because he was the- We, both, we talked yeah. about it before because we've both seen it. Yeah. Oh, you, so you've yeah. seen it, yeah. Yeah, um, we, so we talked about it. He was the ultimate Beatles fan, number one Beatles fan. So, uh, so that's interesting that Harry Nielsen tried to do his own thing, you know, because it's a while the Beatles certainly influenced Harry Nielsen. It's not like Oasis where they really, Oasis really wore their, in, that influence on their sleeve. Harry Nielsen, not so much. He had a no. It's like I said, all songs were different, a little quirky, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is sad because he died so young and tragic. Just kind of lost it after like Leonard. He felt like he so. he left a lot of possible good music behind because he couldn't control himself, and he never got over Lennon's death. Never yeah, got over yeah. really kind of a sad story. Sad, yeah. but like happy because he you know he found peace personally and kind of you know corrected the demons and became like a responsible member of society. But but like you said, sad because he left a lot of productive years yeah. and ruined his voice too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's it for me this week. Good pod. Let's, uh, we want to thank everyone for listening. Please check us out. We are available wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, Diamond listeners are, well, sorry, Beef, but Diamond listeners are holding up a boo to smartless banner. <laughs> thank you, Diamond listeners. Let's not get crazy. We're happy with our cult status and we don't need the <laughs> slavish pursuit of fame that those smartless <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're, happy we're artists. With, we're happy with you, Diamond listeners. <laughs> So please subscribe to us if you, especially if you just already subscribed to Smartless. Are they put giving you two podcasts a week? No, they are not. We're better. One more. If they hear that we do pot two podcasts a week, they might though. Okay. From what the Diamond listeners tell me, this is true. Well then, shh, keep it to yourself. Just subscribe. Well, Arnett is going to be recapping hockey each week. Uh, just subscribe quietly and don't tell those copycats in LA. <laughs> uh, also, uh, please uh, follow us. We are on the social media channels we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on twitter so give us a give us a like give us a follow and some suggest a show topic to us if we uh if we like your show topic and we do it we will send you a jag bags t-shirt does smartless have t-shirts they probably do but whatever <laughs> jimmy kimmel made fun of that because they had mugs that's they right had, uh they had a bunch of stuff <laughs> oh that's stupid merch anyway <laughs> Thanks jag bags. There's no Jagbacks t-shirt. Thanks very much for listening to our jealous podcast. And when you're <laughs> uh, ready to listen, put a little Jagbags in your ear.